Well, what a joy it is to be with you again tonight. Thank you for coming back. And uh, I told Pastor I wanted to have a little fun time with you tonight. And I was looking around. I see a couple of little ones in here. But you might enjoy this song, even if you're not a little kid. Uh, my brother and his grandson wrote this song together. And it's called Zip It, Lock It, and Put It in Your Pocket. Talking about the tongue, all right? So it goes like this. I can't play the guitar, sing the song, and do the motions at the same time, okay? I'm just not that gifted, all right? <laughs> so I'm going to have to teach you how to do the motions, then I'll sing the song, okay? It goes like this. You ready? Everybody help me. Zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket, watch the words you say, your tongue, it is a tattletale, and it gives your heart away. Then zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket, count to ten and pray, Control that tongue like you're pulling on the reins of a horse. Control that tongue or you may have to eat the words you say. All right. Some of you hadn't had this much exercise in days. All right. We'll try it again. All right. I want everybody to do it with me. And if I'm looking, you're not doing it with me, I'm going to call you out and make you come up here and do it with me up here. All right. I'm not going to do that to you. All right. Here we go again. Zip it. Lock it. Put it in your pocket. Watch the words you say. Your tongue, it is a tattletale, and it gives your heart away. Then zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket, count to ten, and pray. Control that tongue, or you may have to eat the words you say. All right, well, I think you got it, and let's try it out and see what happens. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words won't hurt, they say. I must confess I disagree. I'll tell you why today. One day at school, a friend of mine was sad. I asked him why. A bully called him ugly names, and I saw my buddy cry. Are right, you ready? Here we go. Zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket. Watch the words you say. Your tongue, it is a tattletale, and it gives your heart away. Zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket. Count to ten and pray. Control that tongue or you may have to eat the words you say. Oh, you're doing really good. Behind those ivory teeth, your tongue can cut just like a sword. Sometimes we hurt the ones we love and wound them with our words. Amazing how a thing so small can cause such hurt and pain. I now know why my Bible says the tongue no man can tame. Here we go again. Zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket Watch the words you say Your tongue, it is a tattletale And it gives your heart away Zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket Count to ten and pray Control that tongue Or you may have to eat the words you say The Lord hears every word we say As we work and play Keep your heart clean every day And read God's word and pray One last time, you ready? Zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket Watch the words you say Your tongue, it is a tattletale And it gives your heart away Zip it, lock it, put it in your pocket Count to ten and pray Control that tongue or you may have to eat The words you say all right, give yourselves a hand. You did really good. Now, this next song is <clears throat> a song my brother heard a preacher say one time. I'm just hanging in there like a hare in a biscuit. 
And he said his first thought was, that's disgusting. And then he thought, that's funny. And then he wrote this song and called Hanging in There Like a Hair in the Biscuit. And that might make you feel a little queasy thinking about that. But my brother said this. He said, you know what? It's kind of neat. If you find a hair in your biscuit after you get through eating, you can floss your teeth and just move on. (laughs) So here we go, all right, just for fun. Life gets hard, times are tough. The news is bad and the road is rough. Money is low and the bills are high. The fish won't bite and the well runs dry. God is good and He's good all the time. Trust in Jesus and you will find heaven's home and you ain't gonna miss it. Hang in there like a hair in a biscuit. Now that's your line right there. Hang in there like a. Your heart's not in it, is it? Hair lets go, then it says goodbye. You need new glasses and the scales don't lie. Aches and pains make you want to cry. You're wondering how I can ever survive. But God is good and He's good all the time. Trust in Jesus and you will find heaven's home and you ain't going to miss it. Hang in there like a... All right, there you have it. <laughs> you did pretty good. <laughs> now, years ago, before I got saved, I didn't go to church. I didn't read the Bible. But I watched the Andy Griffith Show every single day. Not only did I watch it, I studied it. It's crazy. My band members and I, when we would go and do our shows... We carried a VCR with us, and we'd hook it up to the TV in the hotel room. And before the show, we'd watch Andy Griffith. When we got through doing the show, come back to the hotel, we'd watch it again. We just watched it over and over. 249 shows over and over. I don't have to watch them anymore. They're all in my hard drive. I can't get them out. When I got married, everything reminds me of the Andy Griffith show. And I would say quotes, and my wife would look at me and say, What in the world are you talking about? And I'd say, Andy and Barney, didn't you ever watch it? She said, not really. So she started watching the show with me. She said, oh, my life, I've married Barney Fife. (laughs) I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but his initials, BF, Barney Fife, my initials, Bruce Fry, were about the same size. Well, you know. (laughs) So I'm going to do a little takeoff on Barney Fife for you, and then I'll sing the song that I wrote. And the song is about somebody like me who watches the Andy Griffith Show way, way too much. So here's Barney. Now, men, here at The Rock, we have two rules. Rule number one, obey all rules. Rule number two, no writing on the walls, for it takes a long time to get writing off the walls. Now, the reason you're inoculated like you are is because you're on the wrong road. I want to help you get on the right road. So I purchased a metal craft set, a wood carving set, and a Mr. Potato set. So there you have a little Barney Fife. All right. So this is the song that I wrote, simply entitled, Nip It in the Bud.
stare at the screen. Clue. I'm sorry, I messed up. Stare at the screen. Man, when my mind goes, it goes. Let me start over. Stare at the screen with crazed bloodshot eyes. Empty pop bottles. Chicken that's fried. Andy, time for supper. Rerun to rerun, I just can't break free. There's Andy and me, and baby makes three. Don't worry, we'll get it. I gotta nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. I think I need to get a life and say goodbye to Barney Fife. Nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Now, Floyd always said, ooh, how about a haircut? It's a beautiful thing. To watch Goober work, ain't you got a jack? Or to hear Gomer sing, Santa Lucia. Otis can jump rope with model in hand. But Andy can't get B to just call the man. Call the man, Aunt B. I got to nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. I think I need to get a life and say goodbye to Barney Fife. Nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Now, Ernest T. Bass, she called me a creature. Can sure chuck a rock. And Dopey the Birdman, he sure learned a lot. Winking tells blinking, and blinking whispers to nod. And Nod tips off Barney that I'm losing it all. My whole body's a weapon. I gotta nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. I fear I'll never have a life or ever hooked on fearless fife. Nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Oh, my Barney, oh, my Barney. Had a jail and couldn't lock it. Had one bullet for his pistol, had to keep it in his pocket, his left shirt pocket. Episode 117, The Shoplifters, his right shirt pocket. Marty messed up, and I noticed because I watched it a lot. Most all the other episodes, except for maybe three, his left shirt pocket. You don't think I can? Some of you are looking at me like I am crazy. You don't think I can get banjo sounds out in this jug? A man's entitled to his opinion. And I ain't going to be beat to death with no spoon. And You might as well give her a little poke while she's a-bugging. And we thought about killing him. Kind of hated to go that far. I got a nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Nip it, nip it, nip it in the bud. Nip it, 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 nip it in the bud. I might get my hand in those petunias yet, Andy. So there you have it, all right. Aren't you glad you came to church tonight? Oh, maybe. Well, I've got a couple more funny ones. So I'll save those for the other nights. And what a joy it has been to be with you. And thank the Lord for what he did in hearts this morning. And um, 
thank you for the revival songs tonight because the message God has put on my heart is a recipe for revival. Recipe for revival. So if you will, um, open your Bibles, if you will, to uh, <clears throat> Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Very familiar verse of Scripture. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. And God is going to show us here in His Word a recipe for revival. Amen. Let's go ahead and uh, read the verse. And if you're able to stand, would you stand with me tonight as we read one verse of Scripture? We'll have a quick prayer time. I'll sing another song and we'll move on down the road here just a little bit. The Bible says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. He starts off with the word if, and ends the verse with the word then. We'll talk about that a little bit tonight. Father God in heaven, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word and the preaching of this message tonight. And Lord, I know that I'm not a great preacher, but I serve a great God. And Father, I pray that you'll take the feeble words from these lips and uh, send them out into the hearts of the people that are listening that they would accomplish that which you sent it out to do. Because I know without you I can do nothing, but thank God I can do all things through Christ. I need your strength tonight, Father. Help my voice. Lord, help me to be able to share the truth of your word in love with these dear people. And as always, by chance, if anybody's in church and they're not in Christ, Lord, I pray tonight would be the night that they would see their need to be born again into your family. Thank you for those who trusted you this morning. And I pray, Lord, that they wouldn't be ashamed, that they would come forward and tell somebody what you've done in their heart and their life. And Father, we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory for any good that comes out of this service tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Before I sing this next song, I will tell you the story behind it. My brother and I were, uh, sometimes we go and do revivals together. We tag team preach. We really enjoy doing that. We, we are of the same mind and we enjoy being with each other and we did that in the mountains of North Carolina, and we got there a little early. We told the preacher we'd be there at a certain time, but we got there about an hour early. So we just walked around the church looking at the property, and when we went around to the back of the church, there was a hill back there, and back up where you could barely see it, there were two trailers up there behind all the trees and the brush. We heard some of the worst cursing we'd ever heard in our life, and it was coming from the mouth of a woman. My brother looked at me, I looked at him, and he said, sounds like ministry time. I said, I believe so. So we trekked up the hill there, knocked on the first trailer door. A young man came to the door, and we explained to him, we're two brothers going to be singing and preaching down at this church uh, tomorrow. I'd love for you to come. Shared the gospel with him. He didn't get saved, but he was very kind to listen. And after we got through talking to him, we said, look, we heard somebody screaming and yelling and cussing up here, and we thought maybe we could help. And he went, oh, he said, that's my sister. She lives in that trailer up there. Don't go up there. Stay away from that place. I can tell you that right now. We said, okay. We walked off his porch and went right up there and knocked on the door of the second trailer. And when the young man came to the door that was in that trailer, this is what he said. This is not a good time. So, well, we kind of figured that. We're two brothers are going to be singing and preaching. Invited him to come to the service. Gave him a gospel track. That's as far as we got. 
But as we were walking off the steps, I looked down in the window there, and there were three little faces smiling and waving at me. And right there in the shadow of the steeple, there were people who needed Jesus Christ, families who were hurting. And uh, the next day after we did our meeting, Sammy came by the table and grabbed a uh, kid's CD and stuff. He said, pray for me, Bruce. I'm going to go back up there and knock on that door again. I said, brother, you want me to go with you? And he said, no, I think God wants me to go by myself. I said, all right, I'll pray for you. See you. (laughs) And he headed right back up there. He said he knocked on the door. They invited him in. He got to share the gospel with him, give the kids the gift, a CD and stuff. So, you know what? Everywhere we go, I travel all over the country and sometimes out of the country. And everywhere I go, there are people who need Christ. And because of that meeting that day, my brother wrote this song called The Shadow of the Steeple. Hearing voices all around us Full of anger and of hurt Broken dreams and wounded hearts Smiling faces hide the pain Trying hard to just pretend With hidden scars and secret hurts In the shadow of the steeple Kids are crying Troubled homes and broken families So much heartache and such great need In the shadow of the steeple Hear the voices of confusion So lonely and so lost Storms have come torn and tossed Many hide to cover shame On others place the blame Missing peace and guilt the cost Who can heal the broken hearted Offer hope in brighter days Who can wash away their sin Answer prayer at their wit's end Jesus In the shadow of the steeple kids are crying in troubled homes and broken families So much sorrow and such great need In the shadow of the steeple Lord, please give us eyes to see In the shadow of the steeple Amen. How many of you would like to see revival, not just in your church, but in your own heart? Because that's where revival is going to have to start. If it's going to get out anywhere. I found this on the internet. It said if all the sleeping folks would wake up. And all the angry would make up. And all the dishonest would fess up. And all the lukewarm would fire up. And all the disgruntled would cheer up. And all the depressed would look up. And all the soldiers would stand up. And all the Christians would pray up. And all the gossipers would shut up. 
then we might have revival. Amen? Before revival, you need to speak to God in prayer. During the service, you need to let God speak to you. And then after the service, you need to go out and speak to others about God. Amen? D.L. Moody said this, Behind every movement of God is a kneeling figure. Billy Sunday was asked this question. Brother Billy, does revival really last? And this was his answer. No, not really. He said, but neither does a bath, but I'd like to have one every now and again. Amen? (laughs) Vance Habner said, a revival is the church remembering, the church repenting, and the church repeating. Webster's Dictionary says this, revival, the act of reviving, restoring, resuscitating, renewing, refreshing, to return, to bring back to life. Sometimes we need revival, and God in His Word here has given us a recipe for revival. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Dissect this verse here for just a moment. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, God is talking to born-again believers. He's talking to saved people here. This is what he wants us to be, point number one. He wants us to be holy. Can you say that with me? Be holy. Amen? God is talking to his people. Ephesians 2, 1 says, And you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Over 24 years ago, when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, my spirit was quickened and made alive, but my flesh is just as dead as it's always been, and there's always that battle between the spirit and the flesh. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Isaiah 6, 3, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of His glory. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God. You see, once you become a saved, born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, You don't belong to you anymore. You belong to him. This talent that he's given me doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this is my life verse. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 24, the Bible says, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Psalm 29.2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So first of all, God says, if you want to have a revival, He's given us a recipe for revival. And the first thing is be holy. And then secondly, He says this, Shall humble themselves. So this first one is what? Be holy. The second one is be humble. You know, it's hard for some people to be humble. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction and in haughty spirit before a fall. The angel Lucifer was cast out of heaven because of his pride and because of his if you will. 
old country song years ago, I don't know if you remember it. it was, oh, it's so hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror. Cause I get better looking each day. There's nothing humble about that song at all. Now, I know some of you, before you came to church tonight, you looked in the mirror and went, I'm not messing with that. That looks good. <laughs> you know, when I look in the mirror, I say, man, I got to fix something here before I go out in public. You know what I'm saying? There was a story about Muhammad Ali one time. He was on an airplane, and the stewardess was going up and down, you know, checking on people, and all of a sudden, there was a little turbulence going on. So the, the pilot came over the intercom and said, everybody put your seatbelt on until we get through this rough air. And so she was going to make sure everybody was putting their seatbelt on. And when she came to Muhammad Ali's seat, she looked down there, and he had not done that. And she looked down at him, and she said, Sir, you need to put your seatbelt on. He looked up at her and said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. She looked down at him and said, Superman don't need no airplane. Put your seatbelt on. <laughs> oh, me. James chapter 4 and verse 6 says, God resisted grace to the humble. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. He shall lift you up. Proverbs 15.25 says, The Lord will destroy the house of the proud. Proverbs 15.33, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Jesus Christ humbled himself and became a man all the way to the cross of Calvary. Chapter 6, verse 16, the Bible says, These six things Six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him, and the very first one is a proud look. As a musician, I can go into a Christian bookstore and, you know, look at all the things they have, and then when I go into the music section, sometimes I can't get past the cover to even want to hear what they have to say. Because what do I see on the cover? A proud look. God hates pride. Six, eight, he asked you, the old man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. In Isaiah 57, 15, the Bible says, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. You're not going to have revival into your heart until you humble yourselves before God. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child. Humble himself as this little child. The same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Psalm 9:12 says, He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. So God, first of all, number one, tells us he wants us to what? Be holy. Secondly, he wants us to be humble. And then the Bible says, and pray and seek my face. Thirdly, God wants us to be hungry. Do you hunger and thirst after righteousness? The Bible says in Matthew 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere miracle of the word that ye may grow thereby. When I first became a Christian, I sat on the front row. My pastor would preach. I was taking notes because I wanted to know what this book said. I wanted to learn. I was hungry. I was thirsty for the things of God. And my pastor would get up there and he'd say things like this. Well, you know, you know the story. And then he'd move on. 
after the service was over, I went up to him and I said, Pastor, these other people in this church may know the story, but I don't know the story. I'm a brand new baby Christian. I don't know the story. Don't leave anything out. He went, Bruce, I'm so sorry. I didn't even think about that. And so uh, God wants us to be hungry. 1 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Isaiah 55.6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Jeremiah 29.13, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. When I first got saved, my brother Sammy told me, he said, Bruce, I want you to take your Bible and at the very beginning in the book of Genesis, write these words, Dear Bruce. Then go to the end of the Bible, the end of Revelation, and write, Love God. He said, This is God's love letter to your life, brother. And he wants you to get in it every single day. Psalm 63, 1. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Psalm 119, 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word, the Bible says. Now, when I first got saved, I was really excited about learning the word of God and sharing the word of God with other people. And when I moved from Nashville, Tennessee, back to North Carolina, I started working with a man. His name was David McDaniel, and he was doing a prison ministry. And he said, Bruce, would you like to come do some prison ministry with me on Thursday night? I said, sure, David. I said, I should be in jail or hell anyway. I said, yeah, I'd love to go. And so I started going and doing this prison ministries. And, and what we would do, Pastor, it was the funniest thing. They had this little basket. And you've got gospel tracts in there. You've got handkerchiefs. You've got candy. And uh, <clears throat> you just think about me. I'm 100. Back then, I've gained about 10 pounds. But back then, I was about 150 pounds soaking wet. Looked like Barney Fife, and I'm walking there onto the prison yard with my little basket. Now, I'm a sight to behold, I'll tell you that. Now, I had prayed before I went. I said, God, I want you to send me to the meanest, biggest, ugliest one in here, and I'll do my best to give him the gospel. That was my prayer. And I had my little basket. I walked onto the yard, and I looked over, and I saw a guy lifting weights. He looked like the Hulk. He wasn't green. But he looked like he had a T-shirt on, but he didn't. He was tattooed from head all the way down. And when I saw that guy, I went, not that guy, Lord. I wasn't talking about him. <laughs> you know, wait a minute. But I had prayed. God had delivered. So I went straight to him and tried to share Christ with him. And as I went around there, I found out something. You know that people in prison will lie to you. Can you imagine that? I went in there, and, and I'm so tunnel vision. I'm looking for lost people. I asked them if they knew Christ as their Savior, and they told me yes. I believed them. I was just naive. I was a brand-new baby Christian. And, they, and then I, I said, look, I said, have you ever been saved? you ever been born again? Oh, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm saved. I said, well, look, we're having a service tonight at 7 o'clock. I'll see you there, right? He said, because I'm thinking you're a Christian. You're going to come to church. I said, that's a no-brainer for me. And all these guys out there told me they were saved. When I got to the service that night, I looked around and I said, God, they lied to me. They lied to me. So I prayed that night after the service. I went back to my room and I said, God, I have got to do something different to challenge these men. So God gave me three S's. Study, store, and share. So the first guy I went up to, I asked him that next day. I said, hey, man, have you ever been saved? you ever been born again? Oh, yeah, I'm, 
I'm saved. I'm just backslidden. That's why I got in trouble. And that's why I'm here. And I said, okay. I said, that means that you're my brother in Christ, doesn't it? He said, well, yeah, I guess it does. I said, can I challenge you from the Word of God today? He said, go right ahead. I said, all right. I said, look, I don't mean to be mean to you, but you got a lot of time on your hands, don't you? And he went, yes, time I got a lot of. I said, well, with that time, do you study the Word of God? And he dropped his head and he said, no, sir, I don't do that. I said, well, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I said, that's not a suggestion from God. That is a command from God to his children. You're not doing that. He said, no, sir. I said, look, I already know the answer to the second question. If you're not studying the word of God, you're not storing the word of God. You're not memorizing scripture, are you? He said, no, sir, I'm not. I said, well, Psalm 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You cannot get God's word in your heart until you get it in your head. I've got a lot of God's word in my head, but what's in my heart flows right out of my mouth. It's a wonderful thing. I said, okay, you're not studying the word of God. You're not storing the word of God. I said, let me, tell you, let me ask you this question. You tell me that you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. Are you sharing the word of God with these other men in this place? Are you concerned about their soul? He said, I'm not doing that either. I said, well, Mark 16, 15 says, Go ye therefore in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, God doesn't call everybody to be a pastor or an evangelist, but God calls every born-again believer to preach the gospel to every creature. God commands us as Christians to do that. I said, you're not, you're not studying, you're not storing, and you're not sharing. I said, let me ask you a question. Do you love Jesus Christ? He said, oh, yes. I love him with all my heart. I said, really? Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. In Matthew uh, 8, 15 or 15, 8, I get that mixed up sometimes. He said, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So then I proceeded after that to share the gospel with him. And I asked him this question. I said, hey, man. Do you feel like you're a good person, basically? He went, oh, yeah, I'm a great person. I said, okay. I said, uh, do you feel like you have a good heart? He said, I know I have a good heart. I'd give you the shirt off my back. I said, I don't want your shirt, but I want to show you what God says about you being good and about your heart. I took him to Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that doeth good. I took him to Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And I had him read that verse, and when he read it, I'll never forget. It's one of the first times, preacher, I saw the Word of God pierce somebody's heart. Because when he read it, he went, I didn't know my heart was wicked. I said, yes, sir. I didn't say that. God said that. And I went, and he didn't get saved that day. But I shared the gospel with him. And then after it was all over, we had, you know, there were a bunch of us out there doing this revival. And when we got back to the meeting room there, I remember the leaders started going around, how many did you get? How many did you get? How many did you get? When he came to me, I said, hey, I didn't get any today. I gave some men something to think about today. I said, we better be careful about that. Pray a prayer and then marking them on the list that they got saved. I said, we better be careful about that. We need to make sure because, you know, somebody comes up to you and says, hey, pray this prayer and you don't have to go to hell. That's a pretty good deal. Now, who wouldn't want to do that deal? But it's more than just praying a prayer. 
God has to be dealing with the person. The Bible says in John 6, 44, Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And you can witness to somebody, but if the Spirit's not drawing him, he's not going to get saved. God has to do his work. Our, our work is to give a clear presentation of the gospel and then let God do his work. And so here we have all of this going on. And the Bible says in Lamentations 3.25, The Lord is good to them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. Proverbs 8.7, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Every day when I wake up in the morning, for the last 24 years, I've read a proverb a day. I have other things that I do in my devotion time, but my brother told me, he said, Bruce, he said, there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs is a father talking to a son. You're his son. He's your father. He wants to talk to you. Now, some people I talk to, they say, oh, I pray all the time. I said, do you? That's great. I said, but do you read the Bible? Well, no, I don't do that. I said, well, how's God going to talk to you? Because, see, we talk to God in prayer. He talks to us through his word. And so my brother told me, he said, Bruce, if you'll wake up in the morning, whatever day it is, today was uh, the 7th, I read Proverbs 7. I know that wherever my brother is, he's doing the same thing. There's Christians all over the country and all around the world that read a proverb a day. And it's a great connection. God loves it. The devil hates it. And that's, if you don't have a place to start, that would be a good place to start. And if you wake up tomorrow and read Proverbs 8, you'll know Brother Bruce is over there in that hotel doing the same thing. And it's just where I start in my devotion time. Psalm 42, 1, As the heart, the deer, panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, God. This number one, be holy. Secondly, be humble. Thirdly, be humble. And here's a hard one. The fourth one, he says, and turn from their wicked ways. God says, fourthly, be honest. You know it's hard for people to be honest this day and time. People come to church, how you doing? I'm doing great. They're lying through their teeth. They're having a hard day, but they don't want anybody to know. And it goes back to the pride. They're, they won't humble themselves and say, you know what? Pray for me. I'm having a hard day. People just have a hard time being honest, telling the truth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 says, And that you study to be quiet and do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing. And then uh, uh, Romans 12, 17 says, Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Romans 13, 13, Let us walk honestly. Proverbs 12, 17, He that speaketh truth sheweth forth righteousness. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. In Psalm 119, 163, God says, I hate and abhor lying. 2 Corinthians 4, 2, but, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Ephesians 4, 25, wherefore put away lying, Speak every man truth with his neighbor. Revelation 21, 8, there's a list of people that are going to be in hell. And the last one says, And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And we know who the father of lies is, the devil, right? John 8, 44, Ye of your father the devil, the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. And when you're not honest and when you lie, you're acting like the devil. 
That's what you're doing. God wants us to be honest. So how do we do that? Number one, confess our sin. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know as a child of God, I don't have to ask God to forgive me because I'm already forgiven. The moment I trusted Christ 24 years ago, I was forgiven of my past, my present, and my future sins. Now, that does not give me a license to sin, but now as a child of God, when I sin, I go to this verse, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The moment I confess that I've sinned, I am forgiven. You know, you want to live a holy life? You need to make sure you confess your sin. In Psalm 51, I don't have time to read the whole chapter there, is when David got right with God. Psalm 51, 1 says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercy. Blot out my conversions. Wash me thoroughly from mine own iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. And, and uh, 51, uh, 5, he says, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in my sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Do you confess your sin? Hey, do you con- cry over your sin? When, you're, when you sin, does it really bother you? You can tell when a Christian has drifted because they can sin and it doesn't bother them. And you know what? That scares me about some people. Some people can live in sin and it doesn't ever seem to bother them. I question their salvation then. If you can continue to live in sin and God doesn't chasten you because the Bible says that God chastens His children. He spanks His children. He makes sure that His children walk, walk a straight path. And if you can sin and God's not chastening you, then you might not be His child. Do you cry over your sin? Paul said in the book of Romans in chapter 7, he said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. The Christian life is a battle sometimes. It is a struggle. Or do you just cover your sin? Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh it shall have mercy. J. Vernon McGee made this statement. There's a band-aid of silence wrapped over the cancer of sin. So God wants us to be honest. In Psalm 32, 5, again, David, when he got right with God, said, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity I have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. And in Psalm 51, when he got right with God, he didn't ask God to give him his salvation back because he didn't lose his salvation. He lost the joy of his salvation. And if you're a Christian and you're living in sin, you don't have any joy. I can tell you that right now. So God tells us to be holy, to be humble, to be hungry, to be honest. He says, and if we'll do that, this is what he says, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Be holy, be humble, be hungry, be honest, and be healed. This is God's recipe for revival. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. 
And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'll share a few if and then verses in the Bible with you. In Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with me, with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to, unto understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and lifteth up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, searchest for her as hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. There's many times in the Bible where God was speaking to Solomon and he said, if you'll do this, I'll do that. He said, if thou will walk before me as David thy father walked, then I will establish the throne of thy kingdom. Psalm 51, 12, I got ahead of myself a little bit, restoring to me the joy of thy salvation, uphold me with thy free spirit. And then after he did that, Psalm 51, 13, then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. David realized, hey, until I get right with God, I'm not going to be able to witness to anybody because I've got this sin in my life. Joshua 1, 1, 8 said, This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says, If ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And John eight thirty one says, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And here God has given us a recipe for revival. He's not talking to the White House. He's not talking to the schoolhouse. He's talking to, not talking to the courthouse. He is talking to the church house. Revival needs to take place, first of all, in the hearts of God's people. And then we get it in here, and then we take it out there. We honor God's name when we call Him Father and act like His children. So many people are playing church. They come to church on Sunday, maybe Sunday night, maybe Wednesday night, and, and they look like they've got it all together. And then the rest of the week, They're not praying. They're not reading. They're not living a life for Jesus Christ. And they're just going through the motions. But God wants us to be real. I heard a story about a a little boy. I don't know what city it was in, but it was, you know, somewhere in the northern part because it was snowing. It was cold. He was a homeless little boy. Didn't even have any shoes on his feet, snow on the ground, freezing had his face pressed up against a window of a bakery shop. He was starving to death. Right across the street was a clothing store, and the man in that store saw that little boy, but he did nothing. But then this dear saint of God came by. She saw his plight. She grabbed him by the hand and said, Son, come with me. Took him across the street, bought him some socks and some shoes and some clothes so he'd be warm. Got him all warmed up. She said, Let's go next door. She took him next door to the bakery shop and gave him a big bag. She said, whatever you want, you stick in the bag. He was sticking stuff in the bag, stuff stuff in his mouth. He was having a ball. And after they got through, she said, 
I'm going to take you to see if we can find you somewhere to stay tonight. And he looked up at her and he said, are you God's wife? She looked at him and she said, no, son. I'm just one of his children. He said, I knew you had to be kin to him somehow. The Bible says, let your light so shine that men may say your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You want revival? God gives us a recipe right here. Father God in heaven, Lord, help us take what we've heard tonight and apply it to our lives and go out into this world and reach as many people as we can with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I know not everybody's going to accept it. But Lord, not us, not, don't just let us give the gospel, but let us live the gospel. I heard somebody say one time, well, I don't tell anybody about Jesus. I just live a godly life. Well, you don't, people don't get saved by watching your life. They get saved by trusting Christ. And they need to hear the gospel. God, help us to take this recipe for revival and put it to use for your glory and your honor. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you a question.